Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Thank you, Scott, and hello to you. How are your plants doing? You'd like to talk about it? Well, simply give us a call, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. And leading off every Saturday morning is the Good Gardening Stroll. Afterwards, we will discuss what's impacting your trees, your perennials, what's going on in with your lawn. Why does that look so weird? What are those red bugs that are crawling all over the concrete? Uh, why are they... <sighs> They're scaring me. And what kind of impact does your dogs have on your landscape? And depending upon what kind of dog it is and what it does. And what is a potting mix and insect troubles? Uh, maybe. Suspicious growth or spots? Hmm. Should you be transplanting this time of year? Taking cuttings. I'll share my knowledge to help you make a good decision on the action you're going to take. But it's going to be up to you to decide what you're going to do. And I certainly appreciate you having me on your show. And uh, we're here to talk about plants. Another very important player is Drew. He's producing. He answers the phone, so he'll just need your first name when you call in. I'm Mike Miller. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994. And besides this Saturday morning get-togethers, uh, we I can come to your home and check out your landscape which I call a walk and talk. You can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, and on the homepage, there's my email address and phone number where you can contact me. Well, let's get strolling. This walk is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. I never really uh, think about where I'm going to walk till I get up and I'm eating breakfast, and I think, hmm, let's see, where can I go? Well, there was a t- sort of a trigger mechanism down on Cherokee Street, the Gypsy Caravan is going to be there on uh, Memorial Day. Memorial Day, And so consequently, that's a tradition Tracy and I have done for years. And uh, we haven't done it for a couple years, but it's always kind of neat to see all the different st- stuff that people have. So I decided to head down Cherokee, and I decided to go between Gravoy and Jefferson. There's street trees that are ginkgos. There's a place called Artist Art. There's the Urban League. There's a unique use of chrome trash cans. There's a place called the Taco and Ice Cream Joint. Diana's Bakery, Cow Repairs, Bradford Bald Cypress, 
there's uh, oh, fastigated white oaks. So in other words, they grow more straight up rather than out over. There's some elm trees. There's front yards that are planted with Alberta spruces and barberries and boxwood, flowers all over the place. And there's a store called Flowers and Weeds. It's actually a, a nursery slash florist. And they have fresh cut flowers, seasonal gifts, tropical plants, outdoor garden center, and all kinds of other stuff. Right out in front, there's a Sam Bucus. I'm not going to tell you what the common name of Sam Bucus is, so you're going to have to figure that out yourself. That's S-A-M-B-U-C-U-S. That's in bloom, huge clusters of white flowers. And uh, sidewalk plantings along there, too, a full array of perennials, shrubs, and there's a smoke tree. And, uh, ooh, smoking. Yeah, purple foliage looks great. Great fence and gates around the place and all kinds of other plantings. Along the, uh, in front of the houses, this uh, Cherokee Street's a mixed combo of uh, residential and commercial. There's roses and daylilies, and a, there's a planter with a banana. And also in with a banana is some yellow coreopsis and red and white petunias. Further east on, uh, you know, on Cherokee, that's where it's going to be. But starting off this morning, I was, uh, you know, I always check the computer and the temperature and everything else. But it was pretty darn breezy and cool this morning as I headed out. Birds were out all over the place. It was nice to see. I think it might have been a little bit too cool for the squirrels, or at least I didn't see any squirrels. So it was a you know, fun time outside to walk down Cherokee Street and see all the different kinds of businesses, all the different kinds of plants and everything else going on there. So it was a great street. And uh, like I said, I think on uh, Memorial Day, we're going to head down there for the Gypsy Caravan. So let's, why don't we go ahead and take a call before we take a break? Let's go to Phillips. Hi, Philip. How are you? Just fine. I called to thank you. You gave me some advice about a year ago. I was replacing a heritage tree in the yard, a Kentucky coffee tree, and we put, actually we put two in, and they're doing extremely well. And it got me all excited about other unusual trees. Uh, I've got a lot of spaces. There are some trees that you are, would advise somebody to put in because you don't want to see them to disappear. <laughs> uh, what size tree are you looking for? Um, I've I've got a very big place, so I've got space for anything. Okay. I would say do a cluster of something like uh, um, maybe service berries. Okay. And that's going to give you spring flowers before the dogwoods, and then a good fall color foliage-wise, and then fruits after that, and probably like a three or five of those. So I would my tendency would be to kind of cluster things along that line. And maybe okay. – and like uh, I was talking about those uh, – Along Cherokee Street, the fastigate of white oaks, maybe mix in some trees that are not going to get so broad and wide, even though you have a large yard, but just to give a you know different texture and kind of a different look to it. So take a look at something along that line as well. And then for good fall color, uh, like uh, October Glory or Red Sunset Maple would be a, you know, a good choice. Okay, great. Thank you very much. Yep, my pleasure. And now let's go and see what's going on with Sharon. Hi, Sharon. Good morning, Mike. Hi. Um, I got a rose for Mother's Day, and I just discovered this week that it's um, growing on the stem. It's got some leaves coming up. 
What do I do next to get it to grow into a rose bush? <laughs> well, what type of rose is it? Is it a shrub type rose, like a knockout? Or is it a no hybrid? How many stems does it have coming up out of the ground? Well, it's in water still. I got it for Mother's Day, and I put it in water. And um, when I was changing the water this week, I discovered the growth on the stem on the um, lower of part of the stem. And now I see more coming on the top. Just watch out because that's going to, you know, it's, if it doesn't have any, it does have root system, right? No. Oh. No. Well, it's going to be really iffy, to be honest with you. Okay. <laughs> I was hoping I'd get a rose bush out of this. <laughs> uh, well, you may, you know, I mean, just keep your fingers crossed and uh, put on rose colored glasses and see, okay. you know, maybe that might help you. But, uh, okay. you know, they have to have roots or else it's not going to do anything. Well, that's what I thought. And I thought, well, will it grow roots in, you know, on it also, which it hasn't. I don't see anything like that happening. Right. So, okay. Well, I'll just, I'll just enjoy it as it grows and see what I, what happens. With yeah. It. Thank you. That sounds very good. Good luck. Okay. Thanks. Bye. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Phone lines are open and we'd like to talk about your plants. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, as you notice, as you're out and about, the sunflowers are starting to really take off. There's a bunch of Coreopsis blooming in on my patio and lots of different ah! places as well. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> and uh, let me a few uh, thoughts about, or I guess trivia, Related to sunflowers, a tallest sunflower measured is an amazing 30 feet, and that's according to the Guinness Book of World Records. Some of some books, the same book lists about 889 different people dressed up like sunflowers at one gathering. And sunflowers decrease the growth of neighboring plants due to compounds they contain that could be slightly toxic to other plant species, and that's known as allelopathy. And the fear of sunflowers is a mental health disorder. I don't know who is afraid of sunflowers, but apparently there is. It's helianthrophobia. And uh, wild sunflowers are the official state flower of Kansas. Sunflowers is one of the few plants that have, were grown in the International Space Station. Also, it's, there's lots of different other things related to sunflowers, but they're really taking off. So I thought I'd just share a little bit of that with you. Let's see. Where should we go first? Uh, hmm, 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 hmm. Let's go to Wayne. Hi, Wayne. How are you? Hi, Mike. Yes. Got a question for you. Started, uh, uh, this is in gardening. We built some uh, four-inch tall boxes and just put them on the ground, worked up the dirt underneath uh, St. Louis composting and got their uh, raised bed mix filled it up. Um, we're doing lettuce, carrots, tomatoes, um, and some pepper plants. Is there a all-natural type of solution that I could use to spray on those plants to keep the bugs down? Uh, those are probably not going to be impacted all that much by insects, so I wouldn't be too concerned with that. But, uh, yeah, just, uh, I mean, you could use some, I would not just spray for the sake of spraying. I'd wait till you see the insect and then go ahead and spray at that time. So, okay. and, is there, 
anything like more all natural where I don't have to worry about borching it, you know, super good when we're getting ready to eat it. Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's several different. Just go to your favorite garden center and see what, uh, the, you know, the organic insecticides that they'd have as opposed to me okay. just naming one because you could go and they may sure. not carry that particular brand. But Bonide, B-O-N-I-D-E, is a company that has all sorts of different insecticides that are natural. Okay, very good. Also, just one other question. Um, I've seen some things on the Internet saying that mixing milk two to one and pouring it into the ground so that the roots pick that up, is that is that a good idea or not a good idea? Well, it depends. Tomatoes need calcium. So yes. on the tomato plants, it certainly could help. But if you're using tomato fertilizer, it also has the calcium there already. So uh, that's, uh, you know, I mean, you could do that, but it seems a little bit, uh, I don't want to say screwy, but screwy. Yes. Yeah. And then uh, would be different fertilizer for the lettuce and carrots. Yeah, the lettuce is a cool season, you know, vegetable, so it's gonna, it's gonna do okay. But then it's gonna, as the heat starts increasing, it's gonna start disappearing. Where the tomatoes are the exact opposite; they don't really yeah. start taking off till the temperatures start getting warmer. Okay. And the carrots are gonna take a, you know a full season for sure to get any yeah. kind of production out of them. And peppers yeah. are about the same. You know, I guess uh, growth rate and uh, habit and production as tomatoes. Great. Well, we're just trying this out this year, and, and uh, I appreciate all the advice. Thank you. Yep. Good luck with that. And Thanks. let's go now to Carrie. Hi, Carrie. Hi. How are you today? Good. This is going to be Rosebush 101. I've never had a rosebush. Somebody gave me a hybrid JFK. It's a white rose uh-huh. and um it was in memory of their their son that they lost so i wrote i want to do a good job by it i planted it in a sunny spot and it's doing pretty well it's even got a couple of buds set i only i only planted it maybe a month ago but well how do i fertilize it when do i prune it and how much water does it want basically you don't have to do a whole lot of pruning especially while it's still young Get a fertilizer for, and it should be just rose food because it's going to have all the micronutrients as well as the other macronutrients that roses require. And it's a hybrid tea. So, in essence, what you're going to do is you're going to, once those buds open up and flowers are finished and start dropping the petals, then you're going to prune it back. And you're going to probably prune it back along the stem to the where you have five leaflets coming off the stem, that's how far back you want to cut it each time. And you'll probably do um, maybe three, possibly four, depending upon our weather, different prunings because you should have three or four different flushes of uh, flowers. Okay, so so do I want to do that this year? Yeah, I mean, you can. Yeah, I mean, once it finishes flowering... You know, each time, then you should go ahead and cut the, you know, cut the spent flowers off because you don't want the rose hips to form or anything like that. Okay, so cut the spent flowers off, and then do I do, or am I cutting the foliage back as well? Well, you're cutting the stem, and that's cutting the foliage. Okay, so it should look like a little, kind of like a little stick when I get done? Yeah, exactly. I mean, don't cut it so there's no leaflets left. Cut it yeah. back to, you know, where there's at least three to five leaflets and uh, cut it at a 45-degree angle. 
Okay. All righty. And what kind of water? Because it's in full sun. Uh, basically, just you know, watch it pretty close. And hopefully you plant it where the top of the root ball is above the surrounding ground, and you put an inch or so of mulch over the top of that. Does it like mulch? Well, it's you're just protecting it. You're holding the humidity down, you know, into the ground because the roses, you know, they're not quite like, let's say, a vegetable like the tomatoes or something, but they do need moisture. They don't want to go through any kind of drought stress at all. Okay. And, and we all haven't right. had any rain the last, you know, several days. And the yeah. ground's getting pretty darn dry, so watch out for that. Yes, I've been watering a lot. So. Okay. And, you know, if you had a question, if you had time for another question, you said something about sunflowers, and I had thrown some sunflower seeds in with my black-eyed Susans, and the sunflowers are doing really well. Are they going to um, put out bad chemicals for my black-eyed Susans? No, they're cousins. Black-eyed oh, they're Susans, cousins. Okay. yeah, they're both sunflowers. Great. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they should like each other then. Right, Exactly. <laughs> All righty. Thank you. Sure. My pleasure. And now let's go to Dave's yard. Hi, Dave. Hi, Mike. How are you doing? Good. Mike, I've got two corkscrew willow trees that are about 10 feet tall, and they're about six years old, and they're about 15 feet apart. One of them did not leaf out at all this year. Mm -hmm. The other one leafed out, and then all the leaves just turned brown. So I have two dead trees, evidently, and I'm just curious what could have killed them that just like that? Well, I mean, uh, the corkscrews, you know, I haven't seen them being impacted by that cold weather, but it has to be weather-related. So it's, you know, we had that cold snap in, you know, in the fall, and then we've had where it got warm, and then it got cold, and then it got warm, and then it got cold. So these guys, and these guys are a little bit goofy as far as their hardiness goes. But I'm really surprised that you lost both of them because you said they were six years old. Yeah, and they're like, they're very well built. They're 10 feet tall or so. Right. And the one that didn't, didn't even, you know how you see little buds when the, that set before next year when they come out? There was none on one tree. And the other one leafed out mostly, but then all of a sudden it just, all the leaves turned brown. Yeah, so it's, uh, you know, there's no kind of, let's say, disease or insect or anything else that could cause that kind of impact. So it has to be no. weather-related. Okay, so I, I I can assume that they're both dead and just take them out, right? Well, you could leave them for a little bit longer, uh, you know, until, let's say, another month or so. And if you're not seeing any kind of growth at all coming from the anywhere, then I would say, yeah, then they should come out. Don't do any new plant and tree installation if you're going to replace them with whatever else you happen to choose or this, you know, more corkscrews and wait you know, until fall. Tree, funny thing is, though, that the it's on the back line of my yard, and it doesn't seem like anything back there ever does well. Hmm. And I don't understand why it doesn't. It's no different than the rest of the yard. Well, is but, it uh, is it a low spot or anything along that line? It, it's on a slope, sort of, and the water runs by it in like a like a depression behind them. But I don't know. Maybe they're not getting enough water, or well, that it's could just be the case. Overflow. You know, I mean, uh, but six years. If you had six years of good, successful growth, then all yeah. of a sudden, for the, that's you know, it's got to be related to like we've had s extreme periods of you know 
super amounts of rain, and then we've had extreme times where there was has been no rain at all. So right. you know, something kind of you know, let's say unique like the corkscrew are uh, it could really have an adverse impact on them. Right. Okay. Well, thanks for your service, Mike. Sure, my pleasure. And thanks for having me on your show. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Phone lines are open. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. I don't want to encourage you to do anything but listen to KMOX, but Tracy found something the other day that was so entertaining that it was absolutely fantastic. The city of Savannah has a baseball team. Now, they're kind of a a strange baseball team, but they're Savannah Bananas. And this is a baseball team that does all kinds of crazy stuff. They play, it's kind of like the Harlem Globetrotters. They have a team that they play against, that they travel with and everything else. But the Savannah Banana baseball team, they do dances. They do all kinds of crazy stuff. So if you've got a few minutes sometime, just go online and, you know, put in Savannah Banana baseball team. And <laughs> it was totally wild and crazy and completely entertaining. So let's head over to Bob's yard now. Hi, Bob. Hi, Mike. Thank you very much for taking my call. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... What you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey, after years of uh, taking and selling various garden products, uh, just want to let you know is that Bonite, what a terrific product is it, but it's an easy way to find out which ones uh, are for organic gardening. They, that will have like a tan label. And every time you see one of those that has a tan label, whether it's the Mole Max or any of the other products, that means it's for organic gardening. Great. If it's not, it has it has a little purple uh, or violet colored uh, sticker on the side.
inside, or the old bottles had red and violet uh, on the corner of the label. So it makes it very easy if you're going through uh, wherever you're buying your uh, products. If you see a Bonide label with a tan on it, you know it's for organic. Sounds perfect. Thank you very much for the insight. No problem. Thank you, Mike. Yep. And, folks, we have phone lines open, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. If you did get some blooms on your azaleas and rhododendrons, make sure that you, you know, cut those blossoms those, as they fade, cut those, uh, you know, spin flowers off. And also, this is a time, May is a good time to be fertilizing them, too. So you want to make sure that you're using a fertilizer for acid-loving plants. And uh, remember also, I'm sure that most of your spring flowering bulbs have pretty much foliage-wise kind of they're leaning over, they're turning brown or everything else. That's a good, this is a good time to uh, cut off that foliage and uh, make your sort of garden space look a little bit better. And this is if you're growing mums and you want them nice and compact and bushy, make you know make another pinch back. You probably should have already done one, and uh, just realize that that would be to your advantage as far as from an aesthetic standpoint. If you don't pinch the mums back, they get kind of I don't want to say spindly, but they do get long, elongated for the most part. There are a few varieties that grow in a natural rounded habit, but the majority of them do not. So let's go to Chris's yard. Hi, Chris. Um, I had a question. Um, I I know this is probably going to sound a little weird, but I've got a, a bunch of honeysuckle in my property. And what I want to do is create like a pretty tall green wall, maybe 20 feet or so. And um, what I wanted to figure out is how is the best way to move? How much do I need to dig up of the honeysuckle? And then what is the best um, material to put down with that so that it'll grow quickly up that up the trellis that I'm going to create? So you're talking about vine honeysuckle, not the shrub honeysuckle? The vine honeysuckle, okay. yes, sir. So I, you know, moving at this time of year, you're taking a big chance. Because the weather is going to get extremely warm, and you know, transplanting things, uh, it's going to be a little bit iffy. So I would say, just be really careful if you're going to do it, and don't do too many that you can't take care of. And as far as they do like an acidic circumstance, as far as the soil, they are an evergreen vine, and uh, as you probably know. So consequently, if you is it growing as a ground cover? Uh, no, it's actually, it's actually growing up a lot of my um, uh, trees. Like I have cedars and other things that it's growing up and taking over. So I'm trying to cut it off at the base and pull it down as much as I can to save those. Okay. And uh, so I'm, it, it, they get pretty big vines on them. You know, they're pretty thick. Yeah, pretty long. And uh, so, pretty long, yes. So you probably, you know, where the stem's coming up out of the ground, you probably want to dig, uh, if you're going to try to do, I would just do a couple of them, you know, like I said, going in the summertime, wait to do the majority of it uh, mid to late August, September, and maybe early October. And uh, you want to get about uh, 8 to 10 inches, 
or yeah, let's say maybe 12 inches away from this where the stem is all the way around. So you know, it's going to be a mm-hmm. you know, pretty good size and about uh, one spade deep should be you know, deep enough uh, to get an adequate root system. Just make sure you water the plants that you're going to dig up and transplant the night before you do it so they, they can kind of, you know, the soil will stay around the root system when you move it. And then when you move it, make sure the top of the root root ball that you've dug up is a little bit higher than the surrounding ground. Okay, and then what kind of, uh, you said acidic. Right. What can I... The area I'm putting it in is kind of heavy in clay because it's near a near a lake that's already you know built with clay. Right. So, um, and if I wanted to help it out to grow as fast as possible, what kind of um, what would I put around it or put on it to help it grow faster? In the area that you're going to plant them, I would improve that soil location with compost. So, in other words, dig it in, work it in with the uh, existing clay. And put about two to three inches on top of it, and then keep shoveling it around until you get a good blend with it. Okay. Um, And the last question is, it's growing right up like the, um, the trees now, but what is... I'm probably going to be using like either uh, wood poles or, or metal poles to, to build up the heights that I want. Um, what would I what would be best to put between them to help it to grow up? I was thinking maybe some big cell chicken wire or something like that. Or do it, can I just run some wires across and it'll keep jumping from wire to wire? Uh it's probably not going to do that, to be honest with you. Now, this is not growing up the trunk of these trees, right? It's growing free from the trunks and everything else. It's not growing on the trunk. Um, some of the trees, it's growing up the trunk, and that's why I'm trying to eliminate that and other little shrub tree scrub trees that are growing up through my cedars. So, well, make sure that uh, what you're talking about is not a type of euonymus. Because euonymus is a broadleaf evergreen, and it has the ability to attach to things, as opposed to the honeysuckle, which you have to weave and twine a honeysuckle onto a structure. It can't just climb on its own. Oh, okay. Does it, um, what are the yellow, it's got like a yellow and white flower with the little, um, I don't know what to call them in the middle, the little extensions. Yeah. Is that a euonymus or is that a honeysuckle? Well, it's a, I would say go online and look at the, you know, look at euonymus winter creeper. That's the one that climbs, you know, trunks of trees. And then look at the honeysuckle and just, you know, online. And then you can check and see which one you have. Okay. I will do that. Thanks for your help. All right. Good luck. And let's see if we can get another call in. Elias, how are you? Yeah, good morning, Mike. Good morning. Yeah, I have daffodils I bought uh, early spring, but um, it was like hanging basket uh, pot, and half of them was in, uh, in the dirt, half was above the surface. Now, I, I dig a hole and I put them in the ground, you see, because the weather was iffy. Now, 
Uh, and I put mulch. Shall I, shall I keep them in the pot or take them out and uh, put them in other pots till fall to plant it deeper in the ground? Yeah, the daffodil bulbs are going to be, uh, they should go down about four or five inches deep. Okay, how about the mulch? Because they put mulch over it. Yeah, so you could just put one or two inches of mulch and just, you know, the okay. foliage, I mean, the flowering's done, obviously. The foliage is probably turning brown. So when you do, you know, yeah. install mm-hmm. them, go ahead and just cut the foliage off. I did that. Okay. Okay. Right. Uh, second uh, question is, I have cactus. I would like to repot it, you see. And uh, when is the best time? Do it now or wait till fall? Is, so, and I got the dirt for, for cactus, too. So this is cactus that are hardy that grow, are growing outside, or is this cactus that you have inside as a house plant, more or less? No, it is inside. Okay. Yeah. So I would say make sure you get cactus mix, you know, at your favorite uh, garden center because it's going to be very, very well drained. So you could do it now. Uh, what size pot are they in? Why do you think they need to be transplanted? Um, same pot or one inches or two inches uh, bigger, you see. It came with the pot uh, from the, you know, the place uh, I bought it, plastic okay. pot, but but I am going to put it in the, like a clay pot or, okay. yeah, so, but it should be same size or shall I put it on different uh, like two inches or one inches bigger than uh, the current one? Yeah, no bigger than one inch. Because you don't okay. want a whole lot of space, you know, with for each one, as mm-hmm. far as the right. root system. Yeah. There's a question. I have Greek oregano, and it's still in like four inches. Shall I put it in the ground, or I'm planning to put it in the pot about twelve inches with the dirt? So you do you ha- think in the ground they do better than in the pot? Not necessarily. You're talking about oregano. Yes. Okay, you know, it can grow in a pot or in the ground. I would say maybe do the pot. You might have better luck with it. Yeah, and easy, you know, to carry it in the wintertime. You know, right, well, yeah. yeah, I would say well, you might have to sacrifice, as, you know, I mean, you can bring it in. I don't know how well it's going to do as a house plant, but uh, yeah. you could give it a try. But, oh, I leave it outside because they come every year, right? Well, they can, but uh depends yeah. upon how severe our winters are and everything yeah. else. You just don't know right. something like that because they're yeah, marginally one, hardy. Yeah, I did one last year, you know, and they pop out, but they came out very weak, you right. know what I mean? So so I said, let me go buy a new one. Right. And then I have a Chinese evergreen. I uh, propagate uh, some, cut it. Shall I go ahead and uh, put it in a new pot with the other one too? Uh, you can, yes. Yeah, okay. All right. And when is the best time to uh, uh, prune the use and evergreen tree? Don't do it going into summertime. So you're going to have to wait until and do it in, like, uh, uh, let's say, September, October. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's head over to Charlotte's Yard. Hi, Charlotte. 
Hi, Mike. Hi. Thank you for Hi. taking my call. Sure. I, I have a cluster of three daylilies that have been in my front for, oh, years. And this year they were plagued with that white fly stuff, I guess you call it. And anyway, they were covered with the white flecks. So I uh, sprayed them with a soapy water, but it was too late or something because they just dried up. And so now I got them out of there, and now I have the spots where the daylilies were, but it's all this white residue, and I'm concerned if I can even put anything back in there. I'm, you know, I'm. When did these actually happen? When did this actually happen? You thought it was insects, like within the last two weeks. Because I mean, generally, white flies shouldn't do damage to your daylilies to knock them down to nothing. I mean, that's really surprising. Never had it happen before, but it looks exactly like something similar that was on my tomato plants you know, one time, and that's why I thought that's what it was. But. Yeah, it may be, may have been, but, uh, you know, I would say, so when you dug up your daylilies, did you look at the root system and everything else? They're just dried up. It, so, it's just dried. See, that to, insects are not going to do that to a plant. They're oh. going to do damage to the foliage, but they're not going to do that to, to the root system. So there's so some, something else is going or, on there. Oh, okay. Would you think it's not a good idea at this point to put something back in that same spot then? Well, I would say work, you know, get some compost, work the soil up, and then, then you could put, the, I'm assuming it's a sunny location because you had daylilies there. Yeah. So mm-hmm. then maybe look at the black-eyed Susans or Coryopsis moonbeam, go with, the, you know, some of the sunflower family. Or come okay. back with you know some other you know some some daylilies. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Do I have to worry about whatever it is getting to my other plants up there? No, not necessarily. Like I say, okay. you know, add some organic matter, some compost to the to that soil, because okay. I just that can't be an insect that caused that problem. Oh, okay, okay. Well, thank you very much. Sure, my pleasure. Thanks. Bye. And now let's head over to Bob's. Hi, Bob. Good, good morning, Mike. Uh, I have a crabapple tree that's about five years or so old, and the bark is peeling off on the lower part of it. Uh, that could be just, in the, you know, as the trunk diameter increases, bark can be pulled, you know, will, in other words, kind of create a texture to it. So, in other words, peel off. So I wouldn't be overly concerned with it if the tree and everything looks healthy. You're not seeing anything interior beyond the bark, are you? No, I'm not. Uh, the tree looks fine, but uh, will I have to do anything to protect the tree, or will it protect itself and grow new bark? Yeah, it'll. You know, as long as you don't, you're not seeing any kind of a cambium layer or anything below the bark towards the heartwood. You sh- it should be fine. It should just be the natural bark because the bark does not necessarily grow in and of itself. It will get, uh, it will peel off, and the new new bark will grow underneath it as the diameter of the trunk increases. Very good, thank you. Have a good weekend. Sure, you do the same. And hi, Carla. Can you do it kind of quick? Sure. Um, my knockout roses have rose rosette disease. Do you have any suggestions for something that blooms? As long as they do. <laughs> well, I mean, if you get rid of them, the rose rosette is, you know, is spread by spider mites. 
and consequently it's blown by the wind. So uh, as far as extended bloomers, there's not too much that's going to be equal to the, you know, I mean, to the knockout roses, to be honest with you. Okay. All right. We might try again. Um, another quick question, if you have time. Um, you want in this Manhattan? Is that invasive? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's, that's what I needed to know. Right. And if you want to try something besides the roses, I mean, you could uh, go to your favorite garden center and see if they have some smaller growing crepe myrtle that won't get the, you know, like large shrubs or something like that, because that'll give you summer bloom for an extended period of time. But there's not too many other things that are going to be like the roses by any means. Okay. All right. I think we'll just try again with them. That's right. be round three. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, the rose rosette, I mean, that's unfortunate when it gets that. But just make sure you get all the debris. You're not going to, the, the, the cause of the problem is not going to be down in the soil. So you don't have to worry about, you know, from that perspective. Okay. Okay, great. Thanks for your help. Sure, my pleasure. And Kevin, you're going to have to hold on till uh, we come back from the uh, break, and uh, just take a look outside for your kind of your. You start to see some something in your beds that you know is kind of dying off. What it might be, it might be the annual cool season weeds. As this temperature is getting warmer and warmer, they're turning brown and they have been dropping seeds. So watch out for that. But also watch out for the annual warm season weeds like spurge, ragweed, purslane, knotweed, crabgrass, carpet grass, barnyard grass, blah, blah, blah. Because that's going to really start ripping and tearing up your landscape. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after the news. Now at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Thank you, Scott. And this is the second hour of the Garden Hotline, which means the tip of the trial, which is a special on-air recognition for individual group or situation that's made an impression on me this past week or for a long time. And it's brought to you by St. Louis Composting. Right now, if you've got any ideas, questions, concerns, or comments related to the plant world, inside or out, you can give a call, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120, and we can talk about it. Tracy and I headed out to St. Charles to uh, Spiro's Greek restaurant and had some Greek food the other day, and on our way out there, we noticed, or I noticed, she probably didn't necessarily, but uh, the the men or women that are driving the lawnmowers along the highway, the big tractored lawnmowers, some of those slopes are so steep. I mean, I don't know how in the world they can just keep themselves, let alone the tractor. I know the tractor is not going to flip over because they have counterweights, but keep themselves from <laughs> falling off of the, tra- the tractor. So there must be something you know special about that. But, I mean, it's just amazing the way they do some cutting along the highway. Like I said, some of those slopes are so steep, it's just absolutely unbelievable. So tip of the trial goes out to all the people that do the mowing. And then, the I mean, even the ones that are not on the steep slopes uh, are the Christia Park, which is right across the street from where we live. 
they're really getting it back into the routine of the mowing. And so, I mean, they do a great job. They've got to wind past all kinds of trees and fallen branches and other things that haven't been cleaned up by the city forestry department. So those big mowers are really a tough circumstance, and they do a great job. So all the lawnmower professionals, thank you very much for keeping our lawns, our ground covers or whatever, looking good. And thanks for inviting me onto your show, where discussions can range for making plant selection for a specific location, how to care for, talking about what needs to be done, when should you fertilize, how should you do this, what, you know, how are your herbs, vegetables, fruit trees, evergreens, herbaceous ground covers, perennials, uh, cascading houseplants are those that are growing upright. Cool season versus warm season lawn. All kinds of different stuff going on in the plant world. And uh, I'll share my thoughts, but please remember my answers or comments or opinions is certainly not the only garden path to take you towards success, but strictly offered for you to consider. Another very important player in this game is Drew. He's producing, so he answers the phone. He just needs your first name, and then uh, he will put it up on the computer screen, and I will take first come, first serve. And uh, he also pushes all the buttons and everything else, so he's got a lot of stuff to do. I'm Mike Miller. I've been doing the Garden Hotline since uh, 1994, and get together if you'd like for me to come to your home and check out your plants, your landscape, and everything else, an on-site consultation, a walk and talk, you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. On the homepage, there's my email address and phone number. This past week, I was at a home in uh, Rock Hill. And this is, uh, I've seen the hummingbirds, you know, buzzing by, but I don't have a hummingbird feeder in my, you know, in my yard. You know, maybe I should, but... I used to, but I, just, I haven't been doing it for a while. But it was neat to see because uh, they have a hummingbird feeder in the back of their house and got to see a hummingbird up close and personal as it came up to the feeder. So that was really nice, uh, yeah, good thing to see. So, again, this tip of the trowel, those lawnmower people, and anybody that feeds the hummingbirds, <laughs> which are great fun, uh, basically – the tip of the trial brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. A gentleman called last week or so. He thought he was he had uh, spider mites crawling all over his concrete and things like that. The, the reds mites, they are mites, so they're you know in the spider family, but they're red clover mites. Red clover mites, they're running all over the place on concrete and things like that. They can be invasive as far as, uh, you know, causing, you know, some plant material. But uh, generally, they're going to be around when the temperatures are cooler. As the temperatures start warming up, they should sort of head into a hibernation type thing. And they could reemerge for fall as the temperatures start cooling down. And they can do some damage to various plants. And sometimes, you know which I probably haven't mentioned enough, that uh, when you start in the springtime, you start to see brown areas in your landscape. They could be the red clover mites. So just understand that they could, you know, be doing some damage to your lawn. So they're, I mean, they do damage to other things as well, but uh, not major damage. They don't do the damage as much as the spider mites do, but they're cousins. 
And uh, if you want to look at them close, if you do have some that are, you know, they are crawling all over your sidewalk or something like that, uh, just get a magnifying glass. And if the front legs are extended, you know, longer than all the other legs, then that's the clover mites versus the spider mites. So enough of that stuff. And let's see, where should we go? Let's head over to Kevin's. Hi, Kevin. Hey, Mike, I got two quick questions for you. I've got a a nice 20-foot weeping willow tree, but it is a hassle mowing underneath it. Can I trim back those branches now, or should I wait? Uh, You can prune the branches, yes. Uh, Just, uh, it's not going to, I mean, if you're running into the branches, that's, you know, you're not going to do much more than make it underneath there because there's a huge amount of root system there. It's almost like a hardwood floor underneath that. So you're not, don't expect to, just because you prune back the branches that you're going to be able to have success growing lawn or anything like that underneath it. Okay. Well, I've got good grass now. Should I take the, should I trim all the way back to the trunk or can I trim them just where they're starting to hit the ground? Well, you could, you could do either way. Just, you know, do it rather quickly because uh, you want to get it done before, uh, you know, the weather gets too hot. Okay, real good. One, one more real quick question. Sure. We need to put some landscaping in the front of our house. It gets a lot of direct sunlight. We're talking boxwoods, roses, that kind of thing. Is it best for us to wait till early fall, or can we go ahead and do that now? It's You can do it now. It's just we don't know what the weather's going to be like, and it just could you know create a nightmare for the new plants. And especially if you're not going to be there, let's say you go on vacation or something for two weeks and uh, you expect a neighbor or a relative or whatever to do the, you know, the watering during drought, you know, or dry periods, that's where the trouble could come in. You could get the soil all prepared and then go ahead and do the plant installation in the fall. Okay. Real good. Thank you, Mike. Yep. My pleasure. And let's see, Chris, how are you today? I'm doing fine. Scott, um, I was wondering if you can answer for me. I have a Montgomery Globosal spruce, those blue um, ball trees, and I'm wondering how do I prune it or how do I, um, I, I don't know how to make it smaller. It's basically like six and a half foot wide by four and a half feet tall. I, I hate pruning it because I love the blue color when it, when it blooms in the spring. Right. Uh, I would say don't. <laughs> just leave <Okay>. it alone <laughs> okay that's the best that. thing you can do you save me some time right a lot of times people don't plan for mature size and things like that that's one of the things i notice so often when i go to people's houses for the walk and talks that whoever did the insulation uh makes a mistake from that standpoint so hopefully it's in a location that's you know it can be good you know for however long it lasts Okay, it is. I, I did plan for that because I've been listening since 1974 um, when you started, or what, what it was 94. Right. Um, but, yeah, I, I planned a, a big, like, six-and-a-half-foot um, yard bed for it. So Great. It's, it, it fits, but it's I, I'd like it to be a little bit smaller, but I just love the blue color in the spring. Sure. So thank you. All right. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. 
Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's head over to Sherry's yard. Hi, Sherry. I have a question, well, two questions. One, I have brown spots on my strawberries, and I don't know what to do. And then the other question is, I have eggplants, and it's wanting to produce already, and it's like less than, oh, maybe less than a foot and a half long. Well, I would say let the eggplant go. Don't worry about it. You know, it's going to, you know, if it basically doesn't have enough size slash energy or anything else for the eggplant to actually, you know, produce an eggplant, uh, then it's going to let, you know, it's going to like wilt up and, you know, you can just take it off. I would say just leave it alone. And as far as what's on your strawberries, it's not going to be anything probably other than something related to a heavy-duty rain or a light you know, hail or something like that that caused the damage because right now there's nothing that's showing up as far as doing any kind of damage that's treatable on strawberries. Okay. Well, thank you. Sure. So, in other words, it's just weather-related. And the same with the eggplant, why it's you know, producing quite this early. It's a little bit unusual, but uh, good luck with it. Well, the peppers are also doing the same thing. Right. The bell peppers. Right. They're producing. So I'm like, well, you know, I mean, they haven't produced the actual pepper. The flowers are there. Right. Which is fine. And then the, the is it time for me to take out my uh, snap peas? Uh, yeah, it's getting pretty close. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Sure. My pleasure. Now let's head over to Bill's yard. Hi, Bill. Hi, uh, Mike. Um, I'm trying to eradicate some uh, vinca, you know, the dark green uh, periwinkle that's invasive. <laughs> and uh, I'm trying some uh, ortho weed clear, and uh, I'm not seeing any effect really in about like six days worth. And uh, I guess my first question is it uh, wishful thinking to to think that this will do any good for uh, Vinca? Yeah, it may be. I mean, Vinca is pretty darn tough, and it has yeah. that glossy, you know, glossy coating on the, you know, on the right. foliage. And so, yeah. did you walk onto the, you know, did you beat up the, the ground cover first? Because that's no, gonna, that's gonna no, not really. Wounds. It a lot of this stuff, it's kind of tangled into a to like a shrub or whatever. Oh, so I, I, you know, there's a couple of places where I ran a lawnmower over at first, but a lot of it is kind of intermingled with with other bigger things, you know. Um, so, you know, the the I mean, Arthur Weed Clear, you know, it says fast acting, but. Uh, you know, like it's six days, it, it doesn't seem to have much effect really on anything. You know, like I got <laughs> wild strawberry. You know, there's wild strawberry and plantain and all the usual lawn weeds. Right. And really, I don't I don't see a whole lot of effect in six days. Uh, is oh. is this is it more like a two week thing? You think before? Well, I wouldn't get too. You know, I wouldn't sit on the edge of my seat. I would say give yeah. it at least a couple weeks. And especially oh, okay. if you haven't done any kind of a, you know, bruising of the foliage, but you should start to see, you know, on things like the uh, wild strawberries in your lawn or the plantain yeah. and things like yeah. that, you should start to see some of that okay. discoloring pretty quickly, okay. actually, within a few yeah. days. 
I've only seen one one weed that it's kind of a tall uh, weed. I have no idea what it is, but it grows up really tall if you let it go. That that one species is the only thing I've, I'm seeing wilting and such, but uh, most of the stuff not really. Okay, well I'll give it uh, wait a week or whatever, and right. <laughs> another week see what happens. Yeah. Now, do you do you think it's more realistic with with uh, vinca that I might have to just sterilize some of these areas and start over? Uh, sterilize as far as you mean with an herbicide? Yeah, yeah, just uh, one of those kill everything kind of Yeah, herbicide. you might have to go that direction for sure. Yeah, okay. Yeah, well, you know, I kind of figure where I want to salvage a sh- shrub, maybe I could just pull it out of the ground and try and get the vinca out of it, and hopefully maybe the thing will live through the experience. So, but, okay. Yeah, I mean, I would say, I mean, it's a good ground cover, and it's actually like a living mulch. So yeah. oh, why yeah. you know why it's climbing up into things? I'd yeah. just try untangling it out of those things and oh, cutting yeah. it back from let's say right at the base of any kind of shrub yeah. it's climbing up yeah. into. Yeah, you know this stuff kind of hitchhiked. I had a property in the city where I had it, and really it was excellent there, but it was confined by sidewalks and buildings and so forth. So right, it was it was a lot different situation. It was excellent as a mulch for that. Right. But here in the open world here, it's uh, a little too invasive, it looks like. So, <laughs> that's, uh, okay. All right. Well, thank you. Yep, good luck. And okay. let's head over to Alice's. Hi, Alice. Hi, Mike. Um, in the last week in our courtyard, we um, I've noticed the astilbe. I have two astilbes out there, and one is kind of the ground creeper, and the other one is and behind it is, is blooming. But the ground stuff and several leaves on our hostas and uh, some leaves on a peony bush and some of our coral bell leaves all of a sudden are dying, turning brown and dying off. And I just watered that, that courtyard. It was bad. I was trying to plant some plants in it, and after I got them in, I watered the whole thing for about two and a half hours with a with sprinkler, and it had a good soaking. Right. So are these are these plants? Most of them sound like they should be in a you know a shaded location. So yeah, are, they are. So they're in the they shade. Are. So I've never had them look like this. I mean, they've been in there for years, and all of a sudden this year, everything is turning brown. Yeah, I would think again, it's. Our screwball rain and weather circumstance, where like we have those, you know, a week or so where it rains every day, and then we have a several weeks where it doesn't, and the plant, yeah. even though well established, just you know, is not able to handle that kind of switching and changing. Oh, because and I, I got some new little uh, plants at the nursery, and I put them across their little blue salvias, I think, and I planted a whole row of those one half of the row is all curled up and dead and the other one is blooming and it's just it, it's the weirdest thing because we've never had anything like this right so i it's got to be weather related and the salvia you know i mean they really want to be more in the sun than they want to be in the shade so well this these these are in the front of the and they get more sun okay the back part of it doesn't get much sun but the like the where the astilbias that's in the shade. There's a boxwood shading it. 
Okay. And the Estilbe, you know, does like more extra moisture for sure. Well, it got plenty. <laughs> and then it turned brown after that. <laughs> so it's weather-related. That's the only thing it can be. There's nothing that's going to be in- impacting insect-wise, disease-wise, or anything else, that different variety of uh, plant materials. Yeah, because it's never done this before. Never had a problem. Everything I plant is either, you know, in the shade for shade or in the sun for sun. Right. And we do get a, a not an all-day sun or half-a-day sun, but maybe a third of a day sun in certain parts of the of the courtyard. But uh, and it just all of a sudden, the, the hosta leaves, and, and my husband cut them off yesterday, and they're they're big they're huge and that nothing has ever done anything to them and to find the brown all over these leaves on the lower part i don't understand it right you don't either huh no i mean mother nature and weather that's what's really impacting lots of different stuff yeah it's just weird so i and i that is still be is gone i might as well just rake it out <laughs> Ooh. oh well and and the coral bells. The coral bells have got the same thing. Well, that's surprising because, I mean, I've got some underneath Mugo Pines, Hasa and coral bells and Japanese painted fern, and uh, mine look really kind of nice. Oh. All right. I thought, sure, you'd have a solution. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. You can't well, control nature. That's Okay. I love your show, and well, it's our show, whatever. Excellent. But I love it. All right. Thanks. Thank you so much. Yep. Okay. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. It's that special time of the year. Let's see. When a seemingly calm day. Let's have a little bit of this. Can turn from nice to nasty. Oh, this looks good. And it could happen in a blink of an eye. And let's add some of that. Springtime and Mother Nature in St. Louis. Nope, I've changed my mind. You- T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? Then you're going to want to tune in to the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts never know what you're going to get. But when you need information about changing weather, weather alerts or storm warnings, there's one place you can get the information you can use. The official weather station. News Radio 1120 KMOX. We want everyone to enjoy their Memorial Day weekend. So please use rideshare or a designated driver. A DUI will change your life. Don't drink and drive. From your friends at KMOX and Under Law Firm. KMOX at your service weekend. Sponsored by Air Comfort Service Heating, Cooling, and Insulation. St. Louis Composting advances all four R's 
That's the letter R of green living. Reduce, reuse, recycle, and rebuy. Reduce. So in other words, each bag of any kind of clippings, green waste, or anything that's brought in, is you know it keeps it out of the landfills and everything else, and they turn it into a usable product. Reuse all wood materials they collect and reuse into mulch products. Recycle. Compost is a uh, recycled product. That's what it is. Material entering the process exits as a usable product and rebuy. The purchase from St. Louis Composting, you support the green industry and show your commitment to good stewardship of Mother Nature's natural resources. St. Louis Composting, locations all over the metropolitan area. You want to know where they are and the hours? www.stlcompost.com or just give them a call, 636-861-3344. For all your organic needs, St. Louis Composting. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, back to the phones we go, and let's head over to Scott's yard. Hi, Scott. Hi, Mike. How are you? Good. So I have uh, about two-year-old fescue sod in my backyard. Well, it's back and front. And this year, or last fall, I aerated it, overseeded it, and then this year I put a pre-emergent on, and about two-thirds of the lawn is, like, yellowing and has lots of dead grass at the bottom. So I went over it with a thatch or a thatcher, and uh, it just doesn't seem to be coming back at all. I just don't understand. But there are spots out in the yellow part where my dog uses it for the bathroom, sure. and those are green. Those are that be a, oh I'm sorry you're cutting out. Oh, so could that be a nitrogen deficiency or no? Actually, any if it's you're related to your dog, that's over nitrogen, so that's nitrogen burn. Okay, but so the, the areas in the yellow that she uses out in the back are turning green. <laughs> so but the rest of it's yellow. Yeah. So, are you fertilizing? But I know you physically you're doing a lot of stuff. But are did you fertilize? I did a pre-emergent, like a turf builder, at the beginning of the year, and then I just went over it with a after I thatched it uh, with another turf builder um, a week ago. Okay. And I have a sprinkler system, so I don't think it's lack of water either. Right. So the only thing I can think of is. The sod has not really sent a root system down into the ground. And so consequently, it's, you know, it's headed downhill as a result of that. Okay. So there's not too much. I mean, you've done physically everything you can possibly do. And if you're doing, you definitely don't do any kind of fertilizing going into summertime. It's a cool season lawn. So you get a whole, let's say, system of fertilizations for you know, for the fall into the early winter, and do it. See if you can get it to recover. But that it doesn't sound good. Okay. If if okay, so if it didn't take, I guess my only action is to either resod it or can I punch seed it or what well, would you recommend? That's probably not going to work because it sounds like to me you didn't prepare the soil before you you laid the sod down. Okay. And so I mean, you, can't, a, you can't you can't just. New- Oh, I was going to say it's a new home. They put starter fertilizer down, but that's about all. Oh, <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, that could have helped, but uh, since it's a new home, that soil is horrible, and that's right. what you know, the real problem is. Okay. And so, so building up the soil over a few years before I... Right. Okay. How do you recommend doing that? Well, basically with, uh, you know, doing a core aeration and then following that up with a, you know, compost top dressing. Okay. And it's going to okay. be a long process. It's not going to be, you know, something that's going to be, you know, relatively soon. It's going to be a little bit sad. Sure. <laughs> I'll tell my wife. She'd love to hear that. <laughs> I appreciate your help, Mike. Thank you. Sure. Okay. And now let's head over to Tom's. Hi, Tom. Yeah, Mike, uh, I've got some azaleas, and they've got a lot of winter damage on them. Should I just yank them out? I mean, they're they're coming back a little bit, not. They just look very sparse. Yeah, they're uh, recovery-wise, because the azaleas are marginally hardy here anyway, even if they're well-established. And with the screwy weather that we've had uh, with that cold snap and then warm and then cold, and, you know, and so unless they were extremely healthy— and well protected from the weather circumstance, and they're looking bad, for them to kind of come back is going to be a, a long, involved process at best. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you for your help. I appreciate it. Sure. And it's unfortunate, but, uh, I mean, the azaleas, you can see some nice ones. And if in the future, as far as the azaleas go, just realize that the purple colors are the stronger varieties then the reds, and then once we get into the whites, they're probably the weakest of all the uh, colors of the azaleas. And now let's head over to Eve's. Hi, Eve. Hi. I I had a lilac bush, and it bloomed last year. It's, it was only, I don't know, it was kind of planted badly. I don't think they made the hole too big. But anyway, when do you fertilize that lilac bush so it'll bloom next year? Uh, basically, Fertilizing is not going to guarantee that it's going to be, uh, you know, bloom next year. But uh, they like they want to make sure, or you want to make sure that you use a fertilizer for, you know, just all, you know, all basically shrub type fertilizer. And they like an alkaline soil, so hopefully they're not in an area where you you have azaleas or other evergreens that you're using a different kind of fertilizer. Now, what's an alkaline? I forgot. Alkaline is like salty. So, in other words, that's a you know a circumstance where versus acidic. That's why with azaleas and evergreens and yews and boxwood, they need an acidic fertilizer. Where lilacs, you know, you don't have to get a specific one because it's not going to say alkaline fertilizer, but just a normal fertilizer should be okay with them. All right. So, when do I do that? Uh, they finish flowering, right? Well, it never flowered this year. Oh, really? It last year. Right. So, again, the flower buds probably, you know, I've, I've had to say this so much, but the weather has had an adverse impact on lots of different plants. Is okay. It, is it leafing out fine? Yes. Okay. Yes, it's doing that. So go ahead and just do some fertilization because they finished flowering, and in the future always fertilize them. Right, right as you know, before they start, you know, flowering, and then right after they finish flowering. All right, thank you so much. Sure, my pleasure. All right. And now let's go over to Barbara's. Hi, Barbara. Hi, Mike. Hi. I'm calling about a uh, my dwarf crepe myrtle. Um, I have four of them, 
and uh, they twice they've bloomed really nice. Um, this year, two of the bushes have just maybe a branch or two that are even starting to get um, the green leaves. And um, does can I prune all the others back, or do I just wait? Are they finished? Ah. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm not sure. So whatever you can tell me what to do on more crepe myrtles, I really appreciate it. Yeah, the crepe myrtles. They, again, were something that was adversely impacted by the weather. So you could go ahead and leave them for another couple weeks, but any of the branches after that, so in other words, after mid-June, that are not showing any kind of foliage growth, then they can be just cut off. Oh, okay. And even if it's a good part of the plant, or does that mean I have to just get rid of the plant? Pretty much. Like- yeah, either that or just be very patient. Because it's oh, going to take it a couple of years to kind of recover from an aesthetic standpoint. Oh, okay. That's great news. Okay. And what do, what do you fertilize a crepe myrtle with? Just any kind of general, you know, f- fertilizer for, you know, for trees and shrubs. Don't okay. use like a triple 12 or triple 10 or anything like that. That's one okay. for agricultural circumstances. So you get one that's specifically for trees and shrubs. And is the best time to plant if I ha- if I do get a new one? Is the best time? What is the best time of the year to um, to get one and plant it? Uh, in the fall. In the fall. Yeah. Okay. 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 Thank you very very much. I appreciate your show. Sure. And just remember, when you do plant, you want the hole three times the diameter of the root ball, and then only about eighty percent as deep. So, in other words, you want the top of the root ball higher than the surrounding ground, and. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, if you are moving or you have moved your houseplants outside and whether you're leaving them inside, either way, you should fertilize them this time of year monthly. With your annuals, if you're growing annuals, realize that the cool season annuals like pansies, they're starting to head downhill because of the heat. They don't like the heat, and they're just going to go. And if you do plant some other annuals, whether they're in pots or in the ground, you should fertilize them every two weeks. Wait till two weeks after you install them, and then every two weeks through the entire growing season, that's how you're going to have the most robust annual growth out of all your plants. And now let's see, where should we go? Let's head over to Terry's yard. Hi, Terry. Yeah, hi, Mike. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. I have a couple tree questions. Uh, One, I have a hybrid red maple tree in the edge of the yard. It's about 15, 20 years old. It's about a foot in diameter. And I didn't notice, but apparently... Uh, at least a year ago, maybe more, it got hit with the lawnmower by my lawn mowing people. And I noticed that the outer bark was loose in that spot, and the outer bark fell off, and then the inner bark uh, down to the point of, I guess, hardwood. And my question is, around the edge where the bark is, is still there, it seems like maybe the bark's a little rotten or something. And so should I leave this alone 
to, to hoping it will heal. It's about it, it, it occupies about maybe 20% of the trunk circumference. Or should I spray this with like a fungicide or disease control to maybe stop the bark from rotting? Or what should I do? I would say just leave it alone. If you have any loose bark, go ahead and pull the loose bark off. But the tree should be producing a cambium layer, and that's going to be kind of like a looks like a round ball that's you know coming over the area that's where the bark has fallen off, or not a ball. It's just going to be let's say curved. And it's going to slowly but surely, it should be able to, if the tree's healthy overall, cover up that spot. But it's going to take it several years to cover the spot. Oh, okay, okay. Thank you. My other question, I'm going, I have a spot in the landscape bed where I had a, a nice uh, grafted juniper that the cold spell last winter killed, and unfortunately. And I want to replace that with a dwarf contorted pine, uh, a variety called Uncle Foggy. And I've been told that you shouldn't plant conifers in the fall. You should plant them in the spring. Is that true, or can I plant this uh, contorted pine this fall? You can do it in the fall. I don't know why you couldn't, why they would say don't plant them in the fall, but that doesn't make you know really good sense. Fall is the best time for planting pretty much anything because they get to go to sleep after they've been installed. Or if you plant them in the spring, then they're facing, you know, our summertime, which can be as brutal as, you know, sometimes regardless of what type of weather, summer can be the worst on any kind of new installation. Okay. All right. Someone told me that, but I didn't know if it was true. Well, anyway, I thank you very much for your advice. Sure. My pleasure. Bye-bye. See ya. And now let's go over to Jim's yard. Hi, Jim. Hi, how you doing? Thanks for your service. Sure. I uh, about eight years ago, I built a like an arch in my yard for for a, a clematis to climb on, and it's a sweet. It's a sweet. I think they call it autumn autumn joy or something like yeah, that. Yeah, sweet autumn clematis. Yeah, very fragrant. Right. It looks beautiful, but it's just like all the beautiful St. Louis flowers. In eight days, they're all gone. you got to look quick. <laughs> got to look quick. But anyway, it's uh, both arches. It's it's meeting in the middle, but it looks like one side, things are starting to kind of die. I mean, it was real vigorous up until last week, and now it looks like some of the vines are turned brown and they're spindly and they're kind of falling. So... I don't know what it might be, but if you got an idea, let me know. Uh, the side that's, uh, let's say, not where you know, the growth is coming up, is that next to the yeah. house? Is that next to a structure? Is that next to a driveway? Is that next no, to? No, no, it's like it's like in the middle of the yard. Really? It's, uh, it's uh, in the middle of the yard. The only thing so I can I... think of is maybe that, you know, on that side, the plant, you know, the planted area has sunk a little bit. And so consequently, okay. it's, you know, when it's when it's been raining, it's kind of drowned the root system. Oh, OK. Well, I'll, I'll kind of look into that. They don't like a lot of water. No, they don't want to be over water. That's for sure. They want to kind of be left alone. I mean, if we have extended periods of, you know, no rain, then they do want to have some water. But for the most part, they, you know, if we have normal rainfall on a regular basis, they should be adequate and not need additional rain. Or water, rather. Okay, well, thanks, and uh, thanks for your service. Sure. All right. My Bye -bye. pleasure. And now let's head over to Jones. Hi, Joan. 
Yes, Mike. Uh, Are you there? Yes. Uh, I have three azalea bushes that are very old, maybe 30 years old. Yikes. Yeah, and they're beautiful. But this, this past spring, because of that cold weather, I know it was sad, they did not bloom, and then the bushes all looked like they were dead. So I thought, well, I'm going to wait. And uh, eventually, now, they have all come out green. They're beautiful again. So that was the first time that they didn't bloom in all these years. And I don't fertilize them. I don't do anything to them except after they've bloomed, I trim them back. Uh, Basically, I mean, you've been really lucky because usually, you know, people need to fertilize something like the azaleas just to keep them to keep the soil pH correct and everything else. Yeah, but, I know I've heard you say that and I've never fertilized mine. <laughs> so uh, and they're going to be beautiful again next year, hopefully with, if we don't have that, that real cold spell. Right. That was I, nasty. I thought, the whole, I thought all the bushes were dead. They looked dead and then they all started greening up slowly and they're just like new again. Wow. That's great. So good mm-hmm. luck. I mean, that's I just uh, wanted some of the other people to know that, uh, you know, they, they look like they're dead. Don't, you know, don't take them out yet. Just right. wait a while yet. I always tell everybody, even if they think, uh, you know, bad news, hold on for a little bit. And- right, right. Because you never even know them by looking at them now that, it, that they they look like they were dead before. They're just beautiful. Right. Well, congratulations. But I, flowers, but I didn't get my flowers on them. And they're the coral color flowers. Ooh, so those are nice ones. Uh-huh. Yeah. Anyway, uh, next year, I'm sure it'll come back, I hope. <laughs> right. All right. Thank you. Yep. Good luck with that. And thanks, Joan, for uh, your azalea expertise. Uh, <laughs> yeah, do nothing. <laughs> <laughs> you are lucky. Thanks. Okay. All right. Bye-bye. Yep. And folks, if you want to get some color out there in your landscape, this is a good time to head to your favorite garden center and start looking for, in the shade, caladiums, in the sun, the dahlias, the cannas, the elephant ears. You can grow those in the ground or in pots, either one. Very easy to do. Just remember, too, as we were talking about uh, earlier, the gentleman that had the fescue lawn, the cool season lawns are going to start. The fescues and the bluegrasses, they're not necessarily going to turn brown like his did, but consequently, they're going to, you know, the color and overall growth habit and everything else is going to be downhill on those. Where the zoys is the warm season grass is going to be much more vibrant and everything else for the summertime. So just realize that there is a major difference between cool season and warm season lawns as far as the time of year where they look good, where they don't look good. And thanks to everybody for calling in. I greatly appreciate you having me on your show, and I will see you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. 
Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? then you're going to want to tune in to the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.